This video is brought to you by The Corbett Report, 2009 Video Archive. Buy your copy today at CorbettReport.com. Welcome. This is James Corbett of CorbettReport.com with the last word on terrorism. In an interview with Bloomberg earlier this month regarding the unfolding political unrest in Egypt, Henry Kissinger made at least one very telling statement. The real problem will be what is the ultimate orientation of Egypt, because it is in many respects the key to the region. Breaking it out of the radical camp mm -hmm. was what brought about peace with Israel and brought about support for the anti-terrorist campaign. If they go back to the nationalist orientation of Nasser, right. uh, then things are going to get very tough. That Kissinger would equate Nasserism with terrorism is particularly galling to those who are even passingly familiar with the history of the region. As is typical with such pronouncements by the mouthpieces of the global elite, the easily demonstrable truth is precisely the opposite of what Kissinger asserts. He just thinks his audience is too historically ignorant to call him on his lie. In 1952, British troops in the Suez Canal area became embroiled in a fight with local police, resulting in the slaughter of 50 Egyptian policemen and the wounding of 100 more. The furious Egyptian public, long suffering under the reign of King Farouk, a pro-British regent who lived in opulence while his people struggled, organized into riots, and a cadre of Egyptian army officers calling themselves the Free Officers Movement overthrew the king and instituted a republic. They were led by Gamal Abdel Nasser Hussein, who became the second president of Egypt in 1956. From the beginning, Nasser was hated and feared by the international oligarchs, who had become used to having a puppet regime in power over the key Suez Canal shipping route. Nasser was nothing like King Farouk. Young, charismatic, and polished, Nasser set about creating a modern secular Egyptian state that was to become the template for a new movement, pan-Arab nationalism, that threatened the status quo of Western imperial dominance over the region. Foregoing the royal lifestyle of Egyptian leaders past, Nasser redirected the state's resources into building up housing, education, and health services for the Egyptian people. An adherent to neutralism in the non-aligned movement, Nasser assured the eternal enmity of the imperial powers and the eternal love of the Arab people by nationalizing the Suez Canal in 1956. For the first time, the Egyptian people would have control over their most strategic national asset. Naturally, the prospect of a defiant, viable, secular Arab nationalist state as a model for other Arab nations to follow was anathema to British-U.S.-Israeli interests, and plans to de derail Nasser were hatched before he even became president. Among these plans was the now-infamous Lavon Affair, an Israeli military intelligence plot to plant bombs throughout Egypt in order to blame on nationalists, communists, Muslims, or unspecified malcontents in order to justify continued British occupation of the Suez Canal zone. The Israeli military intelligence cell, codenamed Unit 131 and led by Colonel Avram Dar, firebombed a post office in Alexandria and planted bombs in two U.S. information agency libraries and a British-owned theater in Cairo. When the outrageous operation was foiled and one of the bombers was apprehended in the act, the truth was exposed. Israeli intelligence was using false flag terrorism to manipulate public opinion and achieve their desired result the political destabilization that would induce Britain to maintain their military control over the area. The easily documented truth, then, is precisely the opposite of Kissinger's fact-free assertion. Nasser was not the cause of terrorism in Egypt, but the target of it. 
But why would someone like Kissinger, someone whose very reputation depends upon his historical knowledge and political acumen, tell such a transparent lie? The answer is simple. When Kissinger uses the word terrorism, he is not using it as a descriptive term about acts of political violence and bloodshed. He is using the word itself as a political weapon. You see, to Kissinger and the other adherents of the globalist ideology, terrorism is simply a word for any act that threatens the agenda of the globalists. In this twisted worldview, those who believe that national autonomy is more important than the needs of international finance capital are terrorists. Those who are opposed to the free trade agreements that have offshored the manufacturing base of the first world and consigned the developing world to squalor are terrorists. Those who uphold the principle that the people are the arbiters of their own lives and that these lives should not be subject to the whims of multinational corporations are terrorists. That Nasser was so vehemently and treacherously opposed by the globalists with a vested interest in stopping a stable, secure Arab state is not surprising, nor is it by any means the only example of this phenomenon. On the contrary, the 20th century is littered with such examples. In 1951, Mohammad Mossadegh, the democratically elected leader of Iran, nationalized British petroleum interests in the country. Two years later, a CIA team led by Kermit Roosevelt, the president's grandson, provocateured, funded, and fomented a coup d'etat against Mossadegh, a coup that installed the autocratic Shah as leader and paved the way for Savak security forces to begin a reign of terror and torture. To the globalists, however, the Shah was the good guy and Mossadegh had been the terrorist. In 1952, Yokobo Arbenz, the democratically elected leader of Guatemala, began a series of land reforms that expropriated holdings of the United Fruit Company. In 1953, the CIA began training rebels, recruiting pilots, and setting up communications to agitate a coup. The following year, Arbenz was overthrown, beginning decades of military dictatorship and civil strife. In the eyes of the globalists, though, Arbenz was the terrorist. In 1970, Salvador Allende won the Chilean elections against the U.S.-backed and financed Jorge Alessandri. When he began nationalizing U.S. copper firms and large industries, the U.S. backed a coup that ended in Allende's death and the beginning of the brutal reign of General Augusto Pinochet. But in the twisted worldview of the globalists, it was not Pinochet who was the terrorist, but Allende. Numerous other examples exist, but the pattern is obvious and speaks for itself. Terrorism is a word for anything or anyone opposed to the interests of international capital. The so-called war on terror has never been about stopping a bunch of Islamic fundamentalists. If the U.S. had wanted that, they would have supported Nasser, not undermined him. They would have encouraged Mossadegh, not overthrown him. If the U.S. had been scared of the scourge of radical Islam, they would not have funded it in Afghanistan in the 1980s. They would not have protected and fostered and funded Mohammed Junaid Babar and Harun Rashid Aswat and Luai al-Saka and Khalid al-Maidhar and Nawaf al-Hazmi and Anwar al-Alaki and all of the other patsies, stooges, informants and operatives that have been paraded in front of the cameras just long enough to identify them as the faces of evil, but never long enough for anyone to actually investigate their backgrounds. Because in each and every case, the big fabulous terror plots always tie back to the U.S.-British-Israeli intelligence complex and its tentacles around the world. No, terrorism is only tangentially related to these radical Muslims, and only insofar as they are funded, trained, and enabled by their terrorist overlords in the corridors of Langley, Virginia. Proof of this simple truth has been amply provided time and again since the inception of this mythical war on terror. 
In the wake of mass popular protest against the globalist agenda in Seattle in 99, in Washington and Montreal in 2000, and in Genoa in 2001, the global power elite were desperate for a way to defuse and derail their opposition. In the wake of 9-11, they had their chance. Italian plutocrat and globalist stooge Silvio Berlusconi wasted no time in attempting to use the event to blame the anti-globalization movement. There is a singular coincidence between this action and the anti-globalization movement that has manifested itself for a year now, he said at the time. Other arms and organs of the elite power structure have been no less strident, if somewhat more subtle, in using the terror paradigm to stigmatize any and all opposition to their agenda. In 2005, the Rand Corporation released a report on homegrown terror threats in which they identified the terror threat not as one of radicalized Muslims driven by religious fervor, but protesters and activists driven by opposition to the ideals of the globalists. Developing imperatives stemming from anti-globalization do appear to be providing a radical domestic context for galvanizing the militancy of both the far right as well as those driven by more specific extremist environmental agendas. Since then, the entire process of demonizing political opponents through the use of the word weapon terrorist has descended into the most absurd form of political farce, with a flurry of reports from the Missouri Information Analysis Center to the state government of Virginia to the Texas Department of Public Safety claiming increasingly ridiculous indicators of terrorism from buying baby formula to wearing blue jeans to carrying a driver's license. All of this terror hysteria that the public has been force-fed over the past decade would be utterly incomprehensible if we were to understand terrorist to mean what you and I and John Q. Public believe it means. But it does not. You see, in our modern world, terrorism is not terrorism. It does not describe a tactic. It is not about violence and bloodshed, suicide bombers, or Allah Akbar. It is not a word. It is a weapon. A weapon aimed at those who disagree with the aims of Heinz Kissinger and all of his Bilderberg CFR trilateralist, trilateralist ilk. Those who wish for the supremacy of a small, rich elite of financiers and multinational monopoly capital thugs. Terrorism is not a word, not a concept. It is a weapon that is aimed at you and me. And that, in the final equation, is our opportunity. We can point out that terrorism is a word, and it does describe the actions of the bloodthirsty elite who kill and maim the innocent, who start wars, or overthrow governments, or incite violence to achieve their aims. And in that simple action, the reclaiming of the word terrorism to, to identify the globalist kingpins who have been puppeteering international politics for generation after generation, we can disarm Kissinger and all the other pimps of the war on terror hysteria. For The Corbett Report in Western Japan, I am James Corbett.